It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, September 12th, 2013. Thank you for being a part of the program tonight. We'll look forward to hearing from you. 877-381-4567 Questions at collegeview.com and watching us live. The chat room is open as well. Join us there to the right of your video window if you're watching us on the live feed tonight. We'll look forward to hearing from you. And the way you contact us anytime, should you be listening to this in the podcast version, is questions at collegeview.com. We welcome your comments 24-7 about anything you hear on the virtual Bible study. Or if you have any question about any Bible subject, we'll look forward to hearing from you there as well. Questions at collegeview.com. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is on vacation tonight. Uh, and so we'll look forward to a discussion tonight on an uh, interesting subject, hopefully, for you. We want to talk about being a nonconformist. The Bible tells us very clearly that we need to be different from the world. Romans chapter 12 tells us very clearly, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that which is good and acceptable and, perfect, and the perfect will of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 tells us we've got to be different from the world. The challenge then is how do we do that? Because the world is very effective. Satan is very effective at getting us to conform or be like the world. We want to talk about that on the program tonight. Success, uh, Satan can have success in causing us to sin just by getting us to be like the world. And we can be influenced by the world, so we've got to be on guard against that. To help me with the discussion tonight, Eric Reynolds uh, joins me from Fayetteville, Tennessee. Eric, welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Oh, well, let me get you up here. Eric, go ahead. All right. Glad to be with you, Jacob. That's good. You're on. All right. Wonderful. I'm glad to join you, and we're truly doing this uh, virtually this time. Yeah, we are. Eric, you've been on many times before. I think this is maybe the first or second. I think maybe one other time we did this over Skype, and uh, it does uh, work well to save you a trip. Right. Yeah, I don't usually mind coming up, but but this time this ended up being a a good... option for us to take, so I'm, I'm glad to be tied in with you. Well, appreciate you taking time to be with us tonight, taking some time from your family and some family activities. We appreciate you uh, joining in to help us out with the study tonight. Jack Coleman is behind the controls. Uh, Jack, uh, welcome back to the program as well. Look forward to hearing from you uh, throughout the program tonight. Thank you. Glad to be here. All right. Uh, and we'll look forward to your comments as well. Uh, join in the program tonight. Send your comments to questions at collegeview.com and uh, to the right of your video window in the chat room tonight. Um, and um, Patrick is in the chat room tonight. Uh, Patrick says he uh, sends his questions in last minute. He does send them in last minute. That's okay, though, Patrick. Uh, we appreciate your participation on the program tonight. Eric, uh, God wants us to be different from the world. Satan wants us to be like the world, and there we, therein we see uh, a conflict beginning, and uh, we are in the middle, and it is up to us to decide. Are we going to be like the world, or are we going to be different? That's absolutely right. The, the the story started out, of course, in the very, very, very beginning where man and God were at peace and it had fellowship. And then once sin entered the question or entered the equation, entered the situation, then 
people have pretty much gone downhill since then to the point where when we say the world now, we, we usually refer to the general state of mankind, which is not in harmony with God and not doing his will. And therefore, God has always called us to be different from the majority of people, sadly, on the on the earth. Well, you know, that is true, and uh, it is not a new thing. And sometimes I think we think we've got it worse off than other people, uh, Jack, that the world's gotten so bad, and, and uh, it's just such a burden on us to be different. But people that want to be pleased to God have had to be different throughout time. Exactly right. Uh, called to be different simply following God's word and doing what he would have us to do. And if we do those things, we will be different. And uh, we should not be ashamed of that. That's right. Uh, we go back all the way to Noah. We go back to Noah and uh, the Old Testament. Uh, Eric, he was the only one who was different, but that's what God expected of him. Right. And apparently Noah did his best to talk people around him in his day and you know, wasn't um, successful by man's standards, but he was successful in the sense that he was faithful to God and he was true to God, and as a result, he was saved along with his family. That's right. And uh, that, so all the way back to Noah, uh, we see that God has looked for people that want to be pleasing to him to be those who are different. Uh, and also, uh, we could look at uh, Genesis chapter 17, Eric, uh, this, the account of uh, Abraham and God uh, making a covenant with him. Again, there he wants uh, his people to be different. Yeah, as a matter of fact, we find out later in Joshua that even in Abraham's day when God called him, Abraham's ancestors and his family had been involved in idol worship. So going all the way back to Genesis 12, where he says, I want you to leave your father's house and leave all of that and come. I'm going to show you a new place to live. Um, He was really calling him to follow the Lord only. And as a sign of that um, agreement that they had, that covenant that they had, of course, he gave him the sign of circumcision which was the beginning of an identifying characteristic that set the Abraham and his descendants apart from the rest of the world as uh, having a special relationship with God. You know, he was called from the Ur of the Chaldees, Eric, and I always thought that, that was some type of remote region and probably you know just a lot of nomads there. But as I understand now, I think that uh, Ur of the Chaldees was a very uh, developed place. Uh, and uh, so God was asking uh, Abraham to leave a comfortable living environment and to go uh, be uh, wandering without uh, any uh, specified destination. So he's asking him for a great sacrifice there. Right, and of course it took a great deal of faith, and that's basically the same for us, that that, that God, if someone is in, living in the world and that, that's all they've ever known, God calls us to leave everything that's familiar and everything that we're used to and that seems normal and follow him in a direction that he's going to lead us and we're told in Hebrews 11, of course, that by faith, Abraham went not knowing where he was going. And God expects that same kind of faith. That's what's required of us is to, uh, if necessary, to leave behind everything that, that would be you know, familiar to us to let him lead us. We're talking about being odd, and God has always required those who were going to be his followers to be different from the world and not be afraid to stand out. Noah uh, was uh, building the ark. No doubt there was some ridicule associated with that as he's building an ark uh, to, for something that has never occurred before. Uh, people are would likely chide him for that. Eric or Abraham is called to be different. Uh, he's called out from his homeland to be in a relationship with God, a covenant with God. And it continues as we go on through the, the history of the Israelites. Uh, the Israelites in the land of Canaan were called uh, to be different. 
in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 16. But of the cities of these people, which the Lord thy God doth give thee for an inheritance, thou shalt save alive nothing that breatheth, that, but thou shalt utterly destroy them, namely the Hittites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that they teach you not to do after their abominations, which they have done unto their gods, so, sh- so you should sin against the Lord your God. Uh, Eric, God is telling the people of Israel that uh, they are going to have to be different. They cannot blend in with the world that they are living in. They cannot be like those natives of Canaan. They're to destroy them so that they can remain pure and remain different. Yeah, I mean, obviously, in the in the sense in the case of the promised land, God instructed them to basically clear out all those people, um, and you know that that gives some people some difficulty today trying to understand that. But the reason is always given, as it is there in Deuteronomy 20, that God understood that His people would be corrupted by the uh, pagan practices of the the people who were in the land. And so there's there's always been that danger when we uh, associate closely with the people of the world that there's a um, there's a, definitely a risk that we will be influenced by them to become like them. That God was always very concerned about that and uh, expressed that through his law, forbidding them, of course, uh, to marry and, and things like that with, with the people who had lived there in their um, you know, in the land that he was bringing them to, which were a particularly wicked people from what we can tell. Yeah, Deuteronomy chapter 7, beginning verse 1 through 4, uh, Neither shalt thou make marriages with them, thy daughter shall not get uh, given to his son, uh, nor his daughter shall thou uh, take unto thy son, for they will turn away thy son from following me, they may serve other gods, so will the anger of the Lord be kittled against you and destroy thee suddenly. God asked for the Israelites to be different in the land of Canaan, uh, they weren't successful at that necessarily, Eric, but that was what God wanted. Yeah, as a matter of fact, of course, that it, it's really striking when you look at it how rarely God's people were different and how often they were just like everybody around them. And it's easy to look at that from, from our hindsight of, you know, however many thousand years and see the obvious, you know, flaws and how they failed so quickly and so often. And yet I think we'd be foolish to think that somehow we're not the same, that that we don't have the same uh, risks of being influenced by the world around us. We'd be foolish to not realize that very real danger continues to be there. All right. And we can go on. We could look at numerous examples. But throughout time, uh, we're establishing a fact that throughout time, God has wanted his people to be different. So often his people have been unwilling to accept that challenge and to comply with God's desire to be different from the world. Uh, we could go look at Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they uh, stood up for what was right in captivity and uh, demanded that they be different. And uh, they paid the uh, pay, or well, they were willing to pay the cost. Uh, God w- was expected uh, them to you know, not comply, Eric, uh, to be different and to uh, stand up. And I think that we can perhaps relate to Daniel and his friends, maybe even more than we can the original. Um, you know, Israelites who entered the promised land because we find ourselves like those captives did in a foreign land. And I think that's interesting in Jeremiah 29, God sent a message to the people who had been carried into Babylon. And the message was basically, you're in this for the long haul. Don't, you know, don't, don't, um, don't try to just wait it out. 
But notice what he says. This is Jeremiah 29, beginning verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. And I think the point is that um, they were living in a foreign land. They were surrounded by foreign people who practiced a very foreign uh, you know, religion and all of that. But they were going to be there for the long haul, and so they had to go ahead and, and make their lives there in the midst of those uh, very different culture. And yet, as you pointed out, they were still expected to maintain their faith in God and keep his laws. And I think that in many ways we can we can relate to the the situation they were in. Oh, that's exactly right. Uh, they they were told they were told that you've got to uh, remain faithful. You've got to live like you should, regardless of your external circumstances. And uh, we must do the same as well. Well, Eric, as we look throughout history, that has been the requirement that God has had for people uh, that want to be pleasing to him. He's looked for people who are willing to be different. That continues uh, today, uh, Jack. Uh, God has called Christians uh, to be different from the world. And uh, sadly, many Christians are unwilling to do that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, people today want to look uh, just like the rest of the world. They want to act like the rest of the world. They want to dress like the rest of the world. and unfortunately, um, that's, and we'll talk about it later, is that's just been a, a way Satan has used society to influence us and to, to uh, cause Christians not to be like they should be. That's right. God, uh, in the Old Testament, wanted the Israelites to be separate from the people of the land of Canaan, be separate from those who lived around them. And he wants the same of us today in Second Corinthians chapter 6, beginning of verse 17. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And it will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. God desires us to be different from the world so that he can have that relationship with us that he wants. Uh, we've got to be willing to do that. In John chapter 15, beginning of verse 18, Jesus uh, gave us a similar expectation. If the world hate you, you know it, that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Eric, there it is, very plainly stated by Jesus, uh, that the world is going to hate us because we are to be different out of the world, be drawn out of the world, and to be set apart from the world. And there's a very um, natural pressure that we would feel because of that tension, and the pressure would be to conform. And most people, I think there are some people, I think you and I probably even know some people who really don't care at all <laughs> what they fit in and what anybody thinks about them. Yeah. Um, but most of us, to varying degrees, have a natural desire to blend and fit in. And one example of this that comes to my mind, um, as I mentioned to you uh, before the program, the, we're having our Lincoln County Fair this week. Yes. And I just came from there. But... Um, a couple of years ago, our church had a booth there, and we handed out some information. And so on the very first day that I went to go kind of take my shift at the booth, I wasn't sure how to dress. And I thought, well, do I wear kind of casual clothes? Do I dress up? And so I went in a dress shirt and a tie and dress pants, and I, I, I might have even had a jacket on. I can't remember. But within a few minutes of being there at the fair, I realized I am standing out like a sore thumb. I look way out of place. And there was a 
I was kind of embarrassed, so I remember shedding the tie pretty quickly and trying to. But it's just that uh, the funny thing is we all have this um, sense that we don't really want to stand out and be seen as uh, odd or different. In some ways, that's perfectly fine. You know, you, you go somewhere and you feel overdressed or underdressed, and so you want to you want to kind of look like you know the people around you. But that same tendency can be very very dangerous because it can also make us want to fit in with the the way the world is behaving, and that's that can often lead us to be tempted to do things that would compromise our principles. That's right, Eric. You know, to illustrate the point, uh, you 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 ever go to the mall or go to a public place where you see a group of kids who are trying to be counterculture, trying to be the rebels. They don't want to be like everybody else. But if you look at their group, they, they all look the same within that group because they, there is this desire to be like the people you're around. Very few people are true nonconformists. Most people, even those who would think they are, are really just conforming to a separate image. But they're, they're, they're trying to identify as part of a group. And uh, we can do that, too, in the sense that we identify with the, the Christian group, but we just have to recognize that um, we can't give in to the pressure to conform to the world at large in, in all the ways that it talks and dresses and behaves and, and all the things that it does. Um, but we need to recognize that there's a, a very real pressure and very subtle uh, pressure um, that society has a time to force us all to just move in the same direction. That's right. Uh, and uh, God has uh, wants us to be different, and uh, this difference that he wants from us is going to have to start in the heart. If you look at Romans chapter 12 again, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, notice this, by the renewing of your mind. You may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God calls us to be different, and that difference has to start in our mind, the way that we think about things. And that's the danger, is that we live in this world that is so wicked, that has so much of Satan's influence in it, that it easily influences our thinking. And if Satan can get our thinking headed down that road, then he's got us where he wants us. And so we want to talk about being different, being a nonconformist tonight, and we want to specifically focus on our thinking, how the world can influence our thinking. Because Satan knows that if he can influence our thinking, then he'll be successful in influencing our actions and be a, a successful in drawing us away from God. We need to take a break, but before the break, we'll tell you the questions that we asked to our, uh, our update list earlier today. And uh, this is where we'll go after we get back from the, pro- the break. We want to know what influences in the world does Satan use to affect our attitude or our thinking towards God? towards others, towards our priorities, and towards sin. Those are some important areas where Satan is attacking us in our thoughts, and we need to be aware of how we are being bombarded and uh, confronted in our thoughts, and we'll talk about that on the other side of the break. We want to hear your thoughts tonight on the program, questions at collegeview.com, chat room to the right of your video window. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The Virtual Bible Study will be right back after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Britt Haynes. I'm a member of the College View Church of Christ. A lot of people in the religious world today tell us that as long as our heart is right and we truly love God, we can do whatever we want in our service to Him. They say that what we do doesn't matter because God is only interested in our heart. I believe they have it all wrong. True, God is interested in our hearts, but He's also interested in our actions. One reason why is because our actions describe the true condition 
of our heart. This is what Jesus taught in Matthew 12, verse 34, when he said, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So I believe that if we are doing whatever we want to in our service and are not serving God exactly like he has asked, then our heart is not right before God. The members of the College View Church of Christ are committed to making sure that both our hearts and our actions are pleasing to God. If you're interested in doing the same, we encourage you to join us for worship this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. I'm Arthur Haynes from Kaleoka, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight talking about how Satan can influence us to conform to the world, and he does it, interestingly enough, by our thoughts. And so we've got to keep our thoughts where they are to be in order to be pleasing to God. We want to hear from you. Questions at collegeview.com. The chat room tonight. Patrick is in the chat room. And he references 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, where it tells us that we've got to be different. Eric, and that was a passage that we had on our list as well, is, uh, uh, that uh, we're not to be like those around us, and the people who are around us are going to think that when we don't live that way, that we're strange. Yes, Peter anticipates that tension between the culture and our behavior, and, the, and, and especially the attention that we draw whenever we make a change. It's, um, you know, perhaps if you've always lived a certain way, once people know that about you, they're not really surprised. But what Peter talks about here is that when someone makes a change, when someone repents and becomes a Christian and then leaves a certain way of life, he says in that verse, as you referenced there, in all this they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excess of dissipation, and they malign you. People notice when somebody makes a change and they no longer run with the old crowd, and the crowd doesn't necessarily just give up that easily. In fact, there's a lot of pressure that's often put on people to abandon this new way of life and to come on back to the old ways and you know do all the things you used to do. That's right, and, uh, and they will think that we're strange, and so thank you, Patrick, for that verse. Uh, he also references James chapter 4, verse 4. You adulterous, adulteresses, do you not know that the friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whosoever wishes to be a friend of the world uh, makes himself an enemy of God. And that simply is a position that we cannot afford to be in. So thank you for that passage as well, uh, Patrick. And uh, if you have thoughts, we'd like to hear from them in the chat room tonight. Uh, as we mentioned, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 tells us we're going to have to be different from the world and that that difference is going to start in the heart. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 and 20 through 24 has a similar message that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old, uh, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. We're to be renewed in the spirit of our mind in order to not be conformed to the world, in order to be different, to get rid of that old man we're working on our thoughts. We're to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. In Colossians chapter 3, beginning verse 9, lie not to one to another, uh, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and put, have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Again, this idea of renewing our mind, getting our thoughts right in order to be different from the world, to be different from those uh, sinful influences around us. And again, Romans chapter five, 8, verses 5 through 8, a similar instruction. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity with God, uh, for it cannot be subject, uh, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. 
So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Eric, the passages are numerous that we've got to get our mind and our thoughts and our heart right if we're going to be pleasing to God. And maybe the, the best way to see that, or one way to see that would be, by contrast, consider the Pharisees who focused exactly the opposite on everything external, and they were corrupt on the inside. Right. And Jesus was looking for exactly the opposite, people to be changed from within so that that, uh, that repentance and that change, that transformation begins on in the inside, in our hearts, in our minds, and then it will, of course, affect everything else in our lives. But it has to be that that inner force that is um, driving us. And this isn't some mystical um, thing that we're discussing. It is simply the knowledge of God. I mean, as it, as it says there in that passage you read in Colossians 3, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, um, when we take the, the spirit sword, the word of God, and that begins to have an effect on our lives from the inside out, then then this transformation you're talking about takes place. That's right. All right, let's get into the discussion then that we wanted to talk about how the Satan influences us in certain aspects of our life. We want to talk about how Satan influences us in our attitude and thoughts about God. And a, a re, re, recurring theme in our responses tonight, I see, is the idea of evolution. Anthony says, uh, to me, Satan's most successful weapon for changing our thinking about God is the false theory of evolution. He has succeeded in uh, causing the vast majority of people to accept this erroneous theory and uh, thereby reject God. Secondly, Satan has succeeded in making God uncool through his use of the media. At every turn, Bible believers are ridiculed and made to feel like they just aren't enlightened. This creates a very strong temptation to conform to the prevailing anti-God sentiment and causes us to compromise our faith. And uh, so that is an excellent comment. Um, Eric, I think that uh, you hear something like that. Jack, you hear the theory of evolution as wild and uh, as illogical as it is, as far-fetched as it is. You hear it long enough, it begins to plant a seed of doubt in your mind about what God has said he has done in creating the world. That's right. Uh, it, and, and these seeds of doubt come in many forms and many ways. Uh, I'll tell you, in, in the school system becoming more prevalent yes. our children are being bombarded with these ideas that uh, creation is just some radical idea that can't be proved um, and that evolution is the answer right and, and it's an all, all box of life we're, we're faced with those things. right uh, and uh, and here's a similar response from Chris in uh, West Tennessee he says the devil wants me to doubt that God even exists and if he succeeds in that then nothing else really matters. As soon as I start doubting God and his word, then I will be less likely to obey it. If I fail to obey, then I lose. Some of his devices include evolution, the Big Bang Theory, no creation, no global flood, humanism, situational ethics, separation of church and state, Jesus was just a man, the Bible's outdated, and not the word of God. There's no resurrection from the dead, no judgment, etc. Chris is on to something there, Eric. I think that if the devil can get us to just doubt a little bit, then uh, he's on his, his way to causing us to be like the world. Well, that's exactly right. And, and the answer, I think, to that, from our point of view, is faith. Faith that's, of course, built on God's Word. But even these very fundamental um, concepts that we're discussing, the existence of God, His creation of the world and ourselves, in the great chapter on faith, Hebrews 11 
the author there addresses those things when he says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And then in verse 6 he says, without faith it's impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And so simply uh, as Christians we make a decision to believe the word of God as, as it has been revealed to us and um, sadly, as I think the, the point you're making is that there are these uh, great pressures from our society to uh, have us challenge that fundamental belief and faith. And once you take that away, of course, it's just uh, there's no foundation for, for anything. That's right. Um, Ramona talks about this doubt again, Eric. Uh, she says, Satan sows seeds of doubt as to whether God can be trusted. Satan's very first words were, has God indeed said? Spoken or not, this sentiment that God is untrustworthy and that his word is suspect has been a regular feature in mankind's relationship with God ever since. I uh, would have to say ditto to that, Jack. Uh, that, uh, Ramona's on to something that, uh, that all Satan has to do is get you to doubt just a little bit, just to chip away at your faith just a little bit, and then he's got you on the road to being like the world. Exactly, exactly. All right, uh, but we've got to be different, and that difference is going to start in our heart. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. We're going to go to a break and get this week's bullet point. When we get back, we want to hear from you, 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the Virtual Bible Study right after these important messages. I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in a study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to us in his word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Surely you've seen them, those drivers who are so busy talking on their cellular phones that they sit through a green light or ignore some other important traffic situation. We've even seen people talking on their cell phone and eating a sandwich all while driving the car. Driving is a serious activity that demands our devoted attention. Things like cell phones and sandwiches tend to distract us, making driving even more dangerous. Published statistics clearly point out the dangers of distracted driving. When two or more such distractions are added together, watch out. An accident is likely to follow. Now, make a spiritual application. Living life in this world is a very serious activity. It demands our undivided attention. The problem is that we too often allow ourselves to be distracted by the things of the world. When that happens, a spiritual accident is sure to follow. And we're not just talking about the sinful things that can distract us. Certainly there are plenty of those. Wickedness abounds in our society and we're confronted with multiple temptations every day. Constant vigilance is necessary. But in addition to these things, there is the danger that we will get so busy with the non-sinful activities of our day-to-day lives that we might forget that our main pursuit is supposed to be serving God. Our jobs, our families, our recreation, and a host of other things can crowd God out of our lives. Add two or three such distractions together and you're simply a spiritual accident looking for a place to happen. 
Be careful. Stay focused. Philippians 3 verse 13 says, Reach forth into those things which are before and press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the program tonight. We're talking about uh, being uh, un- unconformed to the world, and we want to hear from you at 877-381-4567. We'll remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, where you can find out more information about what we believe and what we practice, College of Church of Christ. And you can also find out directions to our meeting place so you can come and worship with us. We welcome you at any of our services. Find out more about our meeting times and locations at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. If you'd like to hear lessons that have been presented to the College of Church of Christ recently, find out information on how you can podcast sermons that have been presented to the College of Church of Christ in recent times. Find out more again at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Eric Reynolds has been kind enough to join us from Fayetteville, Tennessee, as we talk about how to be a nonconformist on the virtual Bible study tonight. We've talked about how the world or Satan tries to be, influence us to be like the world by chipping away at our faith in God, uh, planting little seeds of doubt, Jack, and just you know, just just a little bit of doubt. It doesn't take much if he can just get you to doubt that God is true, that God is real, that God's word is what it needs to be, uh, that uh, that you really need to be doing what God says. If he can just get you to have, get a little bit of doubt, then. Well, when the times get tough, when when it's on the line, chances are you'll you'll forsake God because that faith is not where it needs to be. That's right, and uh, I think Eric mentioned it before, but I was glad he did. Is and you did in uh, one of your passages that it's it's going to be through the knowledge of God and our understanding of His Word and devoting ourselves in study and prayer that we'll be best prepared to be able to take care of those seeds of doubts and be able to give good advice to others who might be having difficulties. All right, exactly right. Uh, Patrick in Birmingham uh, has chimed in. He says, perhaps the most basic way Satan perverts our concept of God is by turning the relationship between God and man on its head. God, in fact, created human beings in his own image and likeness. However, ever since Satan tempted our first parents, Satan has tried to convince human beings that they are they either are gods or can become gods. And he's attempted to convince human beings that God is no in no way superior or perhaps even inferior to human beings. The supreme good is God himself, and all good things come from him. In fact, everything in creation is good in itself. However, despite uh, all created things being good, they can be misused, and the misuse of things is bad. Uh, further, the correct order of things is that living things, name namely God, first of all, and other human beings, secondly, should be loved, and mere th- things should be used. However, Satan deceives people into loving things and using that which uh, which, out, which ought uh, to be used. Uh, and certainly, we uh, can use other people. Uh, God, of course, cannot be used per se, although people attempt to do so. For example, because they love the gifts more than the giver, they perceive God as a sort of cosmetic vending machine or sugar daddy who... Uh, is there only for the purpose of giving them what they want. Thus they treat God no differently than false pagan gods who are acceptable to men when things go well, but who are rejected in exchange for a new God when things go badly. Furthermore, God is used as a pretense to deceive or manipulate other people for selfish purposes. Um, and uh, he, think, he, think, he goes on, he says, I think uh, that one of the most prevalent errors among Christian groups, and yes, some in the Church of Christ believe this too, is that no religious group has all the truth. 
Put another way, many people believe that all religious groups have at least some errors in their doctrines and practices, and they accept this as just being the way things are. They believe that the best they can do is to find a church which gets it mostly right, and so they settle for what uh, they consider to be the best they can find. It's a lie of Satan that persuades many people from even bothering to search out truth because he has convinced people that there is no one true church to be found. Thank you, Patrick, for those comments. So, Eric, uh, Satan, obviously, from uh, these list, the comments we've looked at so far, Satan, obviously, uh, is trying to influence us in our thinking about God. But uh, we see from the scriptures that uh, God expects us uh, to be different, and that difference starts in the heart, and it starts by uh, making sure that we keep God where he needs to be. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Eric, uh, care to give us a, 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 a simple definition of what that idea of sanctifying the Lord God in our hearts is? Well, of course, to sanctify is to, to set apart or to, to um, you know, to treat as holy. And so we, we should have a, a very high view of God and his uh, relationship to us. And, you know, as I think that your original comment there, keeping God in the proper perspective in yes. in the sense that he is the creator and the master and the lord and and has all authority and we are our whole purpose in being alive is to glorify and serve him now uh, jack uh, the idea is i think that uh, over time our view and estimation of god has a tendency to become closer to us we begin to i think uh, uh, attribute our characteristics on god and i think over time we begin to think God is more like man. And I think sanctifying God in our hearts is putting God back where he belongs, realizing what a what an incredible and awesome uh, God that we're serving, sanctifying him in our hearts, making sure we honor and respect him as we should. I, I agree. We, and that's, that's one of the things I'll talk about later, but we have, we have failed to do that. We see we have, we have treated religion more like a, an a la carte or come as you please. Uh, and in essence, we've, through some of that, we become, we see God as uh, more like us, I guess, or yeah. like a buddy, like a friend of ours, right, right. as opposed to the creator of the universe. Exactly right. Um, and uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse uh, 13, gets to that, uh, Jack, is where he says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Not that buddy idea, but instead you fear God and you make sure you reverence and respect him as you should. And so the... Satan is trying to convince us through science, through the idea that Patrick mentioned that there's no such thing as right and wrong, that there's no such thing as uh, or absolute truth, that you can't get it right, uh, that uh, you just need to just put up with whatever you want to. Don't worry so much about being uh, adhering to God's word and what he has said. Uh, the world is trying, Satan's trying to get us to think like the world and to, to act like the world as a result of this. In our thinking towards God, we're to be different. We're to be uh, nonconformist in thinking like the world. Let's go on, Eric, uh, to uh, our thinking about others. What do you think about how's, how's Satan trying to influence us in our thoughts about others? Well, the, what, what God would have us to do is something that maybe doesn't come very naturally to most people, and that is to put others ahead of ourselves and to love others. And the way of the world, of course, would be, you know, the greatest love of all is to love yourself and to 
to uh, do what's best for you, and that's the the uh, the view of the world is that that you you know like they say I got to look out for number one, and that expression of course is um, you know referring to oneself, and so that's the the view that that Satan would have us take, and and it's you know you go all the way back to the the temptation in the garden, uh, his appeal to Eve is well you will be like God, you'll have this understanding, and it's it's to to focus on a very uh, selfish worldview. And that, of course, diminishes not only my view of God, as you've just said, but it also then diminishes my view of my fellow man. You know, I think, uh, Jack, we're living in the times uh, that are very accurately described by Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having the form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. We're living in times like this, and uh, I, we believe that the last days have been in existence ever since uh, Christ died and established a new covenant. But in the days that we live in today, people are lovers of their own selves, and that is affecting the way that they treat others. Uh, they're mistreating and abusing others. And uh, Satan is trying to get us to think about others the same way as those in the world that we live around that are doing this every day. Right. Uh, they, he is. Um, he is also uh, have us to consider, or correction, have us to see that there is a true lack of respect for human life. Uh, sure. He has influenced uh, many to kill their unborn, uh, and others to put uh, uh, older people into nursing homes. There's basically been a devaluing of human life and so that's 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 one way he has tried to get us to to look at others sure and Derek, in the uh, in the business world today we see it where uh, the people view others as just being there to to advance their uh, their greedy uh, uh, financial desires and uh, and uh, no regard for being honest uh, for uh, treating others as you should Right. We, we, we think a lot of our um, open market capitalist um, society, but if we're not careful, on the far end of that spectrum is a very uh, you know, selfish, self-oriented, do, do whatever it takes to, to make the most for you approach to, um, you know, to, to any business endeavor or anything. Uh, our listeners tonight and their responses, uh, Patrick in Birmingham, uh, says uh, that Satan influences our relationships with, uh, ships with others by inverting the proper order of things. People should be loved and things used, but Satan entices us to love things and use people as a means of selfish gain. I think that's uh, very accurate, Jack. Uh, yes, uh, I, I, I do. Uh, I think there's another thing there that Satan tries to use as well as that he tries to convince us about a lack of personal responsibility. Uh, fathers abandoning their children because the government will basically take care of them. Or mothers uh, can get their children aborted at the cost of taxpayers, or, or everyone also thinks that it's not their fault. It's someone else's fault, right. and they want to push the blame on someone else. And it's all about them. Uh, it's, a, it's about giving more than it is uh, getting. Okay. Uh, Anthony in Columbia says, again, through the media, Satan convinces us that it's okay to kill, rape, and molest others. He tells us that our own happiness is all that matters. Eric, I, I see that over and over again. And just in advertising for simple enough things, I mean, uh, perfectly fine things, uh, 
that uh, that uh, your happiness is what really is the ultimate goal here. And who cares about what everyone else thinks, what everyone else uh, their needs are? You do what you got to do to be happy and have what you want. Right, and look out if any of those other people do you wrong, because you know the the wisdom of the world or the you know Satan's way is uh, don't let anybody push you around, don't let anybody do you wrong. And um, we have a very um, you know strong desire to defend our rights, you know, especially in our culture, I think, and you know not to let anybody get one over on us. And that's in such contrast to what Jesus teaches, even in his, uh, you know, foundational Sermon on the Mount, where he says to, to, you know, love your enemies. And he said, everybody, if you love those who are nice to you, I was telling my kids this the other night. Look, if you're friends with people who are friends with you, if you're nice to people who are nice to you, there's nothing to. I mean, the worst people in the world, so to speak. I mean, anybody does that. But what Jesus calls us to do is to love even those people who are mean to us and cruel to us and to show them kindness and that is so radically different as we talk about not being conformed that's a true transformation because you just don't see that being modeled by our society that's absolutely right Uh, if if someone does you dirty then the gloves come off and you just do as dirty to them as you want Uh, it doesn't matter anymore Uh, that's what satan would like us to think that's how he'd like us to think about others but uh, we're called to be different uh chris Tells us in first, he says, First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse thirty-three. I'm bombarded every day with influences at work that are intended to undermine my faith. In other words, cause doubt. Isn't it interesting that in First Corinthians chapter, First Corinthians fifteen thirty-three is right in the middle of what we call the resurrection chapter. See how the devil will try to use others to create doubt. We must be very careful about how much time we spend with those who do not love God or His Word. We are influenced by everything we see and do. Thank you for that reply, Chris. Um, we ought to conclude the thoughts uh, on this as we talk about Satan wants us to think differently about uh, others, think about others in a way that's uh, not in alignment with God. And if he can get us to think about others in the way that we shouldn't, then we'll begin to treat others in a way that we shouldn't. And uh, we're called uh, to to transform ourselves, not be conformed to that influence. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8 uh, tells us we've got to start by thinking about ourselves differently. We've got to renew our minds. We've got to get our thoughts right and how we think about others. In Philippians 2, beginning verse 1, If there be, any, therefore, any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bows and mercies, fill you my joy in that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Jack, if we're going to be non-conformist in the way that we think about other people or the way we treat other people the way we act we've got to make sure we get our minds right that we esteem others better than ourselves it's not what i want is not my happiness it's what you want is what you're what you need in order to be happy and to have your needs fulfilled that's what i'm called to do as a christian that's correct uh jacob if we realize that this life is short and that there is any eternity in heaven that awaits us we should be trying to do everything we can to help others to get there. And by one way of doing that is by treating them better than ourselves and looking out for not only our interests, but their interests as well. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll go to the top of the hour after this. We've got two more things to talk about. Satan's trying to get us to change our thoughts about our priorities, what's most important in this life. And he Ultimately, Eric wants us to think about uh, sin differently. He can get us to have... Bad thoughts about sin, uh, thoughts about sin that don't line up with what God's Word has revealed. 
and he's on our, his way to causing us to be conformed to the world. But we've been called to be nonconformists. We're talking about how we can do that on the program tonight. We'll take a break and go to the top of the hour right after this. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study can, will continue after these messages. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hi, I'm Lane Crawford, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you've never visited with the College View Church of Christ, you may be wondering what our worship services are like. One thing we have at every worship service is music. We believe God has commanded that music be a part of our worship. But something you may notice about our worship is that the music we have in our worship is different than the music used by many in the religious world today. The music we worship God with is strictly vocal. We don't believe God has commanded us to worship Him with instrumental music. Therefore, since we want God to approve of the worship we offer Him, we only worship in the way that he has specified. In Colossians 3.16, God instructs, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Instructions like this in which only vocal music is commanded are the only instructions we can find in the New Testament. Since God didn't tell us that he wanted us to worship him with instrumental music, how can we be sure that he wants that kind of worship? We do know that if we worship God like he prescribed with vocal music, that he'll be happy with that kind of worship. We hope you'll make plans to visit with the College of Church of Christ to learn more about what our worship is like. We'd love to have you join us in worship of our Creator this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Hi, my name is Zach Coleman, and when I'm listening to the virtual Bible study, I love to hear comments from other listeners. So please join in tonight's discussion by sending an email or by making a phone call. The address is questions at collegeview.com, and the phone number is toll-free, 877-381-4567. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight. Looking forward to hearing from you. Looks like our chat room is down. If you've got thoughts, uh, the only way to get through to us tonight is on the email question. At collegeview.com. Not sure what's going on with the chat room tonight, uh, but we cannot see it here. We were talking about how Satan uh, is trying to get us to be conformed to the world. God has called us to be nonconformists. We do that. We accomplish the uh, task of being a nonconformist by starting with our mind to make sure that we're thinking about things the right way. We've talked about how Satan tries to think, uh, causes us to think about God in ways that we shouldn't, and therefore uh, leads us down the road of being conformed to the world. He tries to get us to think about others in ways that we shouldn't, and again, that leads us down the road of being like the world. Uh, a couple more things we want to talk about as our time is quickly running to a close. We want to talk about how we should be different in our priorities. Satan is trying to convince us to be like the world uh, and try and get us conform to the world by getting us to think about things and keep our getting our priorities in uh, the wrong state, getting, getting them out of whack. Uh, Anthony in Columbia says, Our society is constantly telling us that wealth, and climbing the ladder of success are the most important things in life. Let's not forget fame, too. With reality TV and YouTube, everyone wants to be famous. We put ourselves before others. Eric, uh, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, that's why I brushed my hair tonight um, before the program. Because you wanted to be famous? Yes, I do. This might be my breakout. Okay, well, I doubt it, but go ahead. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, that's that's a good observation. I hadn't really thought about that, but um, definitely... The social media thing is is appealing to this, um, you know, inner desire in many people to sort of be um, recognized and to gather a lot of friends or followers or likes or whatever, and um, you know, to have a big following, and and it, it really sort of inflates our sense of self, perhaps, uh, and, and encourages us to do things, you know, to be noticed, and that's also contrary to the, um, you know, Jesus. Uh, 
example and his just and his description of, of being a Christian leader is one who just simply serves others and and does so without looking for any recognition. All right, uh, Jack uh, Patrick in uh, Birmingham says one number one pro- our number one priority should be to know, love, and serve God. We primarily accomplish this by giving ample time to meditating upon God's word through prayer, fasting, and other religious duties, and by serving our neighbor. Our number two priority should be to do good to others, especially by performing the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, uh, that is, ensuring that others have the necessities of physical life, that we forgive others who have wronged us, teaching others, praying for others, and so on. However, Satan perverts this by enticing us to seek fulfillment of our own desires first and foremost and to give God and others the leftovers or nothing at all. Uh, that is, a, that is a, a very effective tool that Satan uses, Jack, uh, to get you to think, well, what you want, uh, the pleasures that you'd like, uh, the, not necessarily sinful pleasures even, just your own personal uh, relaxation, recreation, that's more important than serving God and serving others. If he can get you to think that way, uh, then he's got you where he wants you. Uh, Patrick's right, and, and that's what has happened in our society. We we have become so busy with things, uh, um, things that we own, things we hope to own, that uh, we've basically pushed God out of the picture and have, have given him his leftovers. Uh, I think Malachi talks about that. Uh, God uses some sarcasm when, when he... Uh, speaks regarding the man that gave the blind lamb from the right, right, right. he said uh, why don't you give that uh, lamb to your governor maybe you know he'll he'll appreciate it God, but, but he doesn't appreciate leftovers so people had in the old testament had their priorities out of whack and, uh, and same for us as well um chris in west Tennessee says if the devil does not get us with the first two items that being the thinking of god and the thinking of others then he'll try to get us to fill our lives with unimportant things so we do not have any time for us to do the spiritual things that are most important. I can I continually struggle with this as well. It is amazing how selfish I can be. And Eric, if we were going to be honest with ourselves and with others, we'd have to uh, to agree with what Chris has said that we can very easily become selfish and allow insignificant things to crowd out God from our life. Right. I mean that's depicted by Jesus in the parable of the sower. And you had the plants that would appear to have been doing good. They're growing and they're flourishing. And then sometime down the road, these weeds come up, and Jesus describes those as the cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches and things like that 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 choke out. But, of course, if, if you even just imagine how that happens in a, in a garden, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a, it's a, it's a process of... Uh, it's slow, and, and it can easily happen to any of us. And that's the problem with it, as you mentioned, Eric. It is like those weeds that grow slowly. Uh, Satan doesn't have to get you to flip your priorities out of whack instantaneously. He just has to sort of move, nudge them a little bit here and there, and, and uh, before long, everything's totally out of out of perspective. You know, as, as you were mentioning earlier about, um, you know, giving um, God, you know, having him number one, and Satan's desire, you know, maybe he would be satisfied not to have us completely abandon God, but just to move God farther down the list on our priorities. And an example of that, I, I believe um, Brother Jack had mentioned in the Old Testament, and I was thinking of in Malachi, where the people were guilty of not idol worship, but worshiping God, but just giving him their leftovers, the lame and the polluted and all that. And God is very angry about this. In fact, he says, um, if you offered that to your governor, he wouldn't accept it. And then 
He says in verse 10 of Malachi 1, Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name in a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Obviously, God, as you, you know, we mentioned in that earlier point, uh, sanctifying him and having him in the right you know, place in our lives. He expects to be treated as a great and awesome creator of the universe, and Satan has us slight him when we give him just you know, things, our time and money or whatever that is of no value and no, you know, something that's just left over. Oh, exactly right. Uh, Ramona comments along these lines. Uh, wealth, she says, uh, it produces additional problems in a person's life. Uh, she cites Proverbs 23, 4, and 5. Do not overwork to be rich because of your own under, your own understanding. Cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings and fly away like the eagle, an eagle toward heaven. Uh, she says to gain eternity in heaven, we need to lay up true treasures that uh, gain us a heavenly abode. She cites Philippians 2, 12, and 13, Colossians 3, 1 and th- through 3. And Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. Thank you, Ramona. Your thoughts uh, echoed mine. Uh, I think one way that we can keep our priorities in check and uh, keep them where they should be is by, as we've been saying throughout uh, the program tonight, getting our thoughts right and thinking about things the right way. That passage that Ramona referenced in Colossians 3, verses 1 uh, through 3. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ setteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Eric, if we will set our affections on things above, in other words, if we will think about things the way that we should, our priorities will stay where they should be, and we can be pleasing to God and unlike the world. Jesus says that same basic thing again in his Sermon on the Mount, where he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Yep. And I, I think the point is that when we're blessed with earthly things, use those in a way that glorifies God and serves our fellow man. And by doing so, we're sort. it's almost like a currency exchange where we're taking our earthly monetary blessings and we're investing them in a heavenly account that's going to be waiting for us. And, and when we do that, it eliminates the temptation to hang on to those things and cling to them and, and hoard them up. And it also gets our heart set on where it needs to be, which is above. That's right. When we're using those things the way God wants us to, Jack, it prevents that uh, greed and that covetousness. Right. It, it puts, our, puts our thoughts where they need to be by the actions that we're, we're doing it. We got to realize that they're not ours. Right. We're just stewards of these right. blessings. Right. That's all we are. Right. We're God's. Right. Uh, that's exactly right. We're not hoarding them up for our own selfish desires. We're using them like God wants us to use them. I appreciate that. Well, we're we're out of time. We, we ask, how does the devil get us to uh, be like the world in our thinking about sin? We've had some good comments here. Jack, you mentioned that, sa- that Satan wants us to rename sin, make it uh, more palatable by giving it a more uh, PC name, if you will. That, that is correct. It, that's, ex- that's exactly what he wants to do, and then that way it, it's, it doesn't look as bad. Uh, well, Chris says that uh, the devil tells us sin is no big deal. Pay no attention to Romans 6.23. Everyone does it, so it can't be that bad. Don't worry, because I'm a special case. I can get away with it. 
Uh, and so uh, the, that's what Satan's trying to get us to do. Uh, Patrick says that Satan seeks to prefer our thinking so that we perceive good as evil and evil as good. Uh, that's thus, for example, killing the sick and elderly is portrayed as mercy killing. Killing children in the womb is justified as for preserving the rights of the individual and so on. Uh, Anthony references TV and movies as well as through our associating with people association with people in the world satan tries to convince us that sin is not sin just as he did with eve homosexuality is to be celebrated divorce is fine lying is fine adultery is okay uh eric it goes on and on uh satan uh, is if he can convince us that sin is not that big a deal uh, then we're going to be more likely to to yield to those uh, temptations yep you know eric um when you're around uh when you're around uh filthy things all the time uh your your standard of cleanliness goes down uh i don't know if you were like me but before you had kids you uh you thought that you needed to have a very clean automobile uh but uh as time has gone on uh and you've been around uh, the the filth of the child uh in the back seat of the car uh you um your your standards have gone down no doubt haven't they oh not at all oh not well you know I, <laughs> I remember uh, you used to have a, a pretty nice uh, nice car back in the day, uh, but um, uh, you, you, you've you've changed. Well, you remember how I kept my room in college too. Probably. Well, I do remember that, and that was nothing I to talk go about. Very much farther down, maybe. Okay. But <laughs> uh, we, when we're around sin all the time, Eric, we begin to think well, about it the, right. the way that we should. And, and maybe one of the um, uh, more powerful things that, that that we didn't even have really time to touch on is uh, humor. Because by making by treating sin as if it's funny, it loses some of its offensiveness to us, and and so um, maybe we think, yeah, that's wrong, and I wouldn't do that, but man, that's really funny, and that's a dangerous thing too, because um, we can be sure that God doesn't find it funny. He does not. It's not a joking matter. It, it, it Christ hung on the tree for it, or, and uh, we uh, we need to make sure that we understand how bad sin is, and uh, we've got to make sure that we don't allow the devil to change our thinking about it. We are right. we are out of time, and uh, we've got to wrap up. Uh, we could continue to talk about this, but it is very important for us, Eric, to understand how Satan works, how he's going to attack us, how he's going to try and get us to change our thinking uh, so that he can get us then to act and be conformed to the world. Right. Paul says we're not ignorant of his devices. That's exactly right. Thank you for joining us uh, tonight, Eric. Appreciate your comments. I always enjoy it, Jacob. Thanks for having me. And, uh, Jack, thank you for being behind the controls, helping us get on the air tonight and for yes, your sir. comments as My well. Pleasure. My D- pleasure. Double duty tonight and appreciate that. Yes, uh, we sir. appreciate you for joining us on the program. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you'll make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.